From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good afternoon and welcome to this Friday edition of Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, the Senior Vice President here at the Family Research Council and your host on Friday. Delighted to have you joining us. What a week. What a week. What a week. I tell you what, it's been incredible. A Speaker of the House is removed in a motion to vacate, a battle now to see who's going to replace him. We have issues at the border. It's been an incredible week, and we want to catch up with you on as much as possible. So coming up on this edition of Washington Watch, we'll begin with the Biden administration being caught earlier this week, quietly giving a green light for the construction of a border wall something that they had long spoken against. And now the president is telling the press that he had no choice about it. Well, I was told that I had no choice, that, I, you know, Congress passes legislation to build something, whether it's an aircraft carrier, a wall, or provide for a tax cut. I can't say I don't like it. I'm not going to do it. So was there really nothing that this administration could have done? Or are they just trying to find yet another excuse uh, that they think somehow makes sense? Uh, The border needs to be secured. I'll be joined here in just a few moments by Congressman Keith Self of Texas to discuss this. And speaking of making sense, or not making sense, depending on how you look at this, President Biden had this to say when asked about how Americans are feeling about the economic situation today. I think they know they're better off financially than they were before. It's a fact. And all the all that data, all that polling stuff shows they think they're more positive about the economy than they've been, more positive about their jobs, et cetera. All right, it's a fact. You really have more money in your bank account than you think you have. You're making more money than you think you are. And the cost of goods are a lot less than they are. That's a fact. Are Americans really better off financially today than they were before President Biden took office? Well, we'll be discussing this a little bit later in the program with former Congressman Dave Bratt, who is now the dean uh, Dean of Business at uh, Liberty University School of Business. And then we have some encouraging news to cover. Yesterday, the women's swim team at Roanoke College stood together to call on the NCAA to protect the integrity of female sports. It wasn't just one or two swimmers, but the entire team. And I'm delighted to be joined with one of the individuals who stood with the team yesterday, Paula Scanlon. She is now with Stand with Women's uh, Spokesman at the Independent Women's Forum. And while it is encouraging to see these young women stand up to a culture that's trying to ignore them, silence them, even erase them, uh, what we need is more men who will stand up. So I'm thrilled to be able to join the, uh, to conclude the program today and being joined by Dr. Owen Strand, who is out with a brand new book entitled The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. Friends, you don't want to miss it. We have a packed program coming up, tons of information, and, of course, you can always catch, if you miss any portion of it, at our website, TonyPerkins.com. Also, tons of resources there available for you, as well as a host of archived programs as well. So don't miss that website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, let's get underway for today's program. The Biden administration is now trying to change the media's narrative after they were, frankly, caught late Wednesday quietly giving a green light for construction of a border wall in Texas. Well, President Biden is saying he had no choice. But now DHS uh, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has come out trying to make it loud and clear that the Biden administration maintains that they do not believe a border wall does anything. There is no new administration policy with respect to the border wall. From day one, this administration has made clear that a border wall is not the answer. That remains our position, and our position has never wavered. Wow. This 
is just stunning. You you wonder how in the world do these people keep going? This uh, this administration now is flip flopping, saying that they are still against a border wall. Well, should they be against a border wall? Well, joining me now to discuss this and much more, Congressman Keith Self. He's a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee as well as the House Republican Study Committee. He represents the third. Congressional District of Texas, Congressman Self, always great to see you. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you so much, Tony. I'm very hoarse. I spent an hour with the group last night, and uh, I'm paying the price for it today. <laughs> well, you are hoarse, but thank you, in spite of it all, for joining us. Uh, listen, before we get to the border, uh, Keith, I, I, we got to get a latest update as to what's happening uh, on the speaker's election, where do we stand right now with that, and what do you anticipate going into next week? Well, we're being called back Monday for to start conference meetings, and I will tell you, I think that it's going to be a very difficult time uh, because the motion to vacate, vacate uh, which has been a part of our history since the beginning, uh, it has been changed once. That was after Mark Meadows actually uh moved to vacate under John Boehner. Uh, so it was changed then. Uh, the Democrats actually changed it. Uh, so people are calling for it to be changed now. So I think it will be a centerpiece of the uh, of the discussions going forward. I think uh, a centerpiece of the uh, speaker's race will cause us to lose even more time. I'm calling for people to just get back to work. Uh, let's get back to the appropriations bills and do our work so that we don't have an omnibus at the end of the year. Yeah, listen, that is of such critical importance right now. And you're talk, talking about the timing of all of this. That's what that's what just uh, creates a lot of angst uh, with a lot of people, and I know with your colleagues as well. Uh, I understand that there's a, a, a group of about uh, almost 50 now, uh, four dozen or so, uh, who are calling, Republican members who are calling for a change to the motion to vacate. Do you think that's going to gather more momentum? Well, I don't know about the momentum, but uh, remember it takes 218 uh, to change any of the rules. Now we can change the rules with 218, uh, but I think it would be disastrous for them to cross over to the Democrats, which I don't think would support it anyway. Uh, So I think the conference has got to pull together. We've got to come together. We've got to make the decision to move forward with our job, uh, which is to fund the government, which is to get the appropriations bills passed. Well, listen, I've got your hands full, and I want you to know uh, so many millions and millions and millions of us out here appreciate it, and we're praying for each of you as you go back into session next week. If we can, Congressman, let's switch to the border uh, situation right now. You being in Texas, uh, you're uh, on the tip of the spear with all of this. What do you make of the uh, Biden's uh, really the about face, if you will, about the building of the border wall there in Texas? You just had two clips that were absolutely ludicrous. Uh, first of all, for the president to say he has no choice, the border has been lawless since he took office. He's not enforced one bill, one law on the border. Uh, It's lawless. He basically thinks the law is irrelevant. He thinks Congress is irrelevant, uh, that he will do what he wants to on the border, which is an open border policy. And for Mayorkas to say that walls don't work, walls do work. Uh, I have always said, build the wall. Uh, We will back it up with other measures, uh, but build the wall because walls work. Uh, We need a wall. Let's get to it. Yeah, and I would imagine Mayorkas has some sort of barrier around his house. Uh, But anyways, that's neither here nor there. You know, it strikes me, as you said, though, that the Biden administration, are they really as powerless as they're trying to make themselves out to be? Especially when you look at an old, untold number of issues that this administration has changed, has uh, utilized and even usurped, in some cases, power and authority in order to push their policies forward. Are they really as powerless as the president's seemingly trying to portray? No, absolutely. They have used their power to the utmost during his two years in office. Uh, they have basically done what they want to. They ignore whatever laws they want to ignore, and they do whatever they want to. I mean, this is basically 
you want to talk about chaos. Many people talk about the Republicans being in chaos. This Biden administration is creating chaos across America. I mean, uh, it, it is evident in every area, and that's why we have a movement growing today across America of frustration, of anger with the federal government. Uh, pick your issue. Is it inflation? Is it spending? Uh, is it the border? Is it the weaponization of the federal government? Uh, you know, 18 cars pulling up in the middle of the night, breaking down your door, hauling you out, uh, half-dressed. I mean, pick your issue. But there is a movement growing of anger against the, the federal government. And I think they're starting to see the pressure, Jody, uh, because they're starting to see that people are not now laying down as much uh, for their uh, bold actions as they used to be. People are starting to become awake, and I hope the movement grows. Well, extremely well said. And, you know, I've heard the analogy, the word picture before, that this administration is like arsonist. They set something on fire, and then when it's burning down, they come riding up uh, with a water hose and try to claim themselves as heroes. Uh, but I, that's exactly what you're saying. It is a, an administration of chaos. Why do you think they are so opposed to the border wall? Uh, because they have an open border policy. They want to get as many people into the United States believing that we citizens have a very short memory. And in short order, they will have more dependence on the federal government uh, that they will now control all of the welfare, all of the programs, and they will be so huge we will never be able to get our $33 trillion in debt back under control. Uh, we have got to start whittling away at that $33 trillion in debt. And frankly, this year, we're not doing it. Uh, we're just not going to be able to get there, Jody. Uh, but we've got to make the changes we can incrementally this year so that next year, in a, in a more secure conference, uh, we can make better changes. We won't get there this year, but we've got to hold the line this year uh, and until we can make more changes to get that debt under control, to cut the spending. Uh, I've heard talk of a debt commission. I would love to see a debt commission much like the BRAC commission, uh, where we would have a bipartisan commission to handle even mandatory programs and then bring it to the floor of the House and the Senate for an up or down vote. Uh, I hope we move to that because that's a good idea. Maybe it's, it's time has now come. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And again, what you just described is yet another example of this administration creating chaos. But I'm sure you probably heard uh, coming into the intro, the president has said uh, it's a fact that you're really better off than you realize. It's just it's phenomenal how this administration ignores the truth. It is, Jody. When you look at a 16 or 17 percent increase in prices for gas, groceries, and rent, and a 3% real cut in your wages, you're real close to a 20% decline in your quality of life. Uh, our families are now paying exactly right. 1200 more dollars every month just to get by. Middle-class families can't afford that. They can't. Thank you, U.S. Representative Keith Self from Texas. Have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us. All right, friends, after the break, the latest jobs report is out. And the Biden administration is hailing it as a great victory for them. But is it just more smoke and mirrors? Well, we'll be discussing this and more after the break. So don't go anywhere. Stick around. We'll be back in just a moment. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. 
Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipled their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Good afternoon and welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your Friday host, Jody Heiss, Senior Vice President here at FRC, and welcome aboard. Well, the Biden administration would like for all Americans to believe that all is well, even though we are watching an endless stream of really self-inflicted crises strike the nation from all different angles. As you have heard by now, The new jobs report has come out, and the president, of course, is trying to somehow convince America that this is a great victory for him and for our country. But he was asked by a reporter this morning, why do Americans still not feel positive about the economy? And here's what he had to say. I think they know they're better off financially than they were before. It's a fact. And all the all that data, all that polling stuff shows they think they're more positive about the economy than they've been, more positive about their jobs, et cetera. I just had to play that again for you. You got it just it's unbelievable. Do do Americans really believe that they are better off financially now than they were before President Biden took office? Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Dr. Dave Bratt. He's the dean of the Liberty School of Business and a former colleague, former member of Congress. Dr. Bratt, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to see you, my friend. Great to be on with you, Jody. Congressman, great great to see you. All right. uh, Listen, did you know what the president just said? The economy (laughs) is great. The facts are there. I mean, it is what it is. You you have more money in your account than you thought you have. You're making more money all is well. What do you think? Yeah, no, actually, it's a very complex mess we're in right now. You get good news on a jobs report, but it's bad news for the stock market. And we're in pretty serious uh, territory right now in the bond market, right? Everybody, you and I were, you know, I was in the Tea Party 10 years ago groups, and everyone would ask me, Dave, when is all this going to come due? And I, I said, now, you know, we're way past it already. But now, for the first time, the rest of the world is sending signals and evidence that they think we're going to default on the U.S. Treasuries, right? We're going to be $50 trillion in debt in 10 years. We're $33 trillion now. And in 10 years, the interest rate's 5%. We'll be paying $2.5 trillion just in interest payments. That's half the budget back when you and I were in there. And so the rest of the world knows we're not paying that back. 
And so as a result of that, the bond market is seriously getting very wobbly. The yields are going way up. That's a signal that they're having to offer more and more and more to get other people to buy uh, the treasuries. Uh, the rest of the world, you know, you guys cover the, uh, you know, the, uh, the this reserve currency issue. The U.S. has always been the stronghold, but now the, the BRICS, China, uh, Brazil, India, some major superpowers are lining up to have a reserve currency against us because they know we're, we're going to default, right? That, that is true. I'm, I'm an economist, 20 years. There's no way we're paying off $50 trillion in debt. So the question is, who gets the haircut, right? The rich uh, who own, you know, the ten, top 10 percent of the rich own 90 percent of all the bond stocks, et cetera. So the Fed's going to, you know, try to nip inflation right now, you know, bring the economy into recession. But then after that, they're going to try to stabilize things at five or six percent inflation. And so to get back to your question, that's what's got everybody upset. When you, if say you have inflation for 10 percent, 10 percent, and 10 percent, that doesn't mean the price level's up 10 percent. That means your meat and your chicken and your eggs are up 30 percent because you add the inflation together, right? It's not just 10, 10, 10, and that's 10. It's 10, 10, 10, and that's 30. And that's what the people are feeling. No one will explain it to them, but that there's your pain. Great point. You know, and, and even beyond that, this whole jobs report is so flawed. I mean, it's most yeah. of these jobs that are coming back are jobs that were lost during COVID, and now they're coming yeah. back. And so the president's counting them as though he's creating these new jobs. But also yeah. beyond that, how many of these are second jobs that people are yeah. having to do because they can't pay that 30% that you're talking yeah. about? So it is, it's all just appears to me, not an economist, just to be a lot of smoke and mirrors. No, well, there's a big debate out there. We don't know who's right yet because you got to trust these people, right? And trust is in short supply right now. There's two. There's two surveys, right? There's the establishment survey, which has it up at you know 370,000 new jobs, and then there's the household survey, which has full-time jobs actually negative, going down. And people that like this stuff got to zero hedge, right? They're funny and they're very smart and. Uh, Zero hedge. They got charts on this stuff all day, every day. And Brat Economics on Getter, I post a bunch of charts. Uh, but yeah, they, most everyone thinks these numbers are overstated. The numbers always come in hot, and then they go down, 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 uh, and they get revised. Yeah, they be readjusted. That's right. They, right. And, well, and, and, and on top of all this, yeah, on top of this, the president keeps saying how he's reduced the deficit by one point seven trillion. I mean, right. you just right. said, and I know too. It, we've exceeded over $2 trillion in additional yeah. debt. Yes. yes, yes, and that that's the piece I wanted to get to. It is true the Federal Reserve is actually shrinking the money supply, M2, right? So they gave, right. they threw out money, $9 trillion. But now that the Federal Reserve is trying to bring it back down, but guess who stepped in to fill the void? The federal government. So now they're running $2 trillion deficits, like you just said. That's stimulative. That creates inflation. So now inflation's creeping back up, and this is not a real economy, right? If you're borrowing $2 trillion from your kids and creating jobs and giving everybody paychecks like we did in COVID, is that a real economy? Ask yourself. Is that a real economy? Right? If you borrow from your rich uncle and put a million dollars in your pocket, are you a millionaire? No. And that, it, it's that simple. Wow. Well, I wish we had more time, uh, Dr. Brad. I, this is uh, incredible. It seems like every week there's more and more articles indicating yep. difficult times coming ahead, yep. and, and Americans need to start preparing for that. Uh, but thank you so much for breaking this down in such understandable terms as you always do. We would love having you on the program, and thanks for your incredible insight. So, Dr. Dave Bratt, Dean of the School of Business at Liberty University, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Congressman. God bless, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. All right, friends, coming up, we're going to transition a little bit. We've seen lots of various female athletes recently stand up against males coming into their spaces, coming into their locker rooms, the showers, all that sort of thing. But yesterday... We had an entire team of female athletes took a stand. You don't want to miss what we're about to get into. Proud of what they did, and you will be too. We'll talk all about it right after the break. 
So stick around. We'll be back in a moment. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. Good afternoon. Hope you're having a great day. Welcome to this Friday edition of Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, Senior Vice President here at the Family Research Council. All right, as you well know, there's an increasing number of female athletes who are standing up to the woke mob. They are saying no, no to men in our bathrooms. No more men in our locker rooms. No more men competing against women in head-to-head competition. And I, for one, as a man, wholeheartedly support and echo their message. Well, one particular group of women has been particularly brave in standing together against men who are masquerading as women uh, and entering into, uh, trying to act as female athletes and enter into their athletic space. Well, recently, the women's swim team at Roanoke College, along with some other female athletes, took a united stand against men in their competition spaces. And joining me now by phone is one of those individuals, Paula Scanlon. She stood with the Roanoke women's swim team yesterday. She is the Stand With Women spokesman and the advisor at the Independent Women's Forum. Paula, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on today. Well, you are extremely welcome, and we are grateful for your bold stand and for standing with the swim team at Roanoke College yesterday. Can you tell us about what took place yesterday? Yeah, yesterday... So the Roanoke College girls broke their silence, um, and they talked about their experiences of what they went through being told that they had to have a man join their team. And the girls all stood together and did a press conference, and 10 girls, I think it was about 10 girls, opted to give remarks on on what having a man on their team meant to them and and how much it was harming their well-being, their athletic opportunity, and just their, their privacy and safety. Uh, And this is the first time I personally have seen a team come together and say enough is enough. And ultimately, the the male athlete actually did opt to quit the team um, over the girls' stance, which is really great. Yeah, that's that's tremendous. And it shows yet again, Paula, that, that when people take a stand, courage 
courage has uh, has tremendous impact and influence and the fact that he stepped down i think is a huge indication of that but you yourself also have been an incredible leader uh, when it comes to courage and this whole issue, you were on the University of Pennsylvania's uh, women's swim team, and you were there, likewise, with so-called teammate, if you will, Leah Thomas. Uh, what was your experience with him? Yeah, so my experience on the team was very much that the university told us that our opinions didn't matter and that one athlete, Leah Thomas, mattered more than the rest of us. And the Roanoke College girls also shared that, that same experience. My university told me that Leah being on the team was a non-negotiable. They told us that if we spoke against having to share a locker room and compete alongside against a male, that we would regret it for the rest of our lives, that we would lose all opportunities to eventually get a job. And ultimately, they told us that if we still had it, objections to Leah being on our team, we should seek psychological services and go to counseling to be comfortable with the idea of having a man in your locker room. They told us we needed psychological services and counseling. That is just unbelievable. And you said the Roanoke uh, women's swim team probably experienced very similar verbal uh, lashing and intimidation, however you want to phrase that. So this type of thing is happening, as we all know, more and more all over the country. So, Paula, what would you say right now to a fellow female athlete, whatever sport, but she is fearful to speak out against men who are entering into her sport? Now that you've got uh, so much experience, what would you say to that athlete? Yeah, I I would say to them that I understand the fear. Um, I was once in their position as well, but just know that most Americans agree that men do not belong in women's competitions. Um, it's it's really challenging to take the stance, but bravery is always rewarded. I know for myself, this has helped me become a more confident person. This has helped me become more comfortable with sharing my own opinions. I used to, even when I first started talking about this, I was still scared to fully speak my mind on my issues, but now that I've started speaking i've unlocked even more of my voice and i know every other girl if given the same opportunity would would do the same and it would do great things for for their self-confidence for their their rights and for just the rest of their lives and also for other girls who are going through a similar situation it'll help empower them as well well you know it's, it's just amazing to me that we even find ourselves at this point in our society that we are even having this discussion about men competing in women's sports and men uh, claiming to be women. The whole thing is so upside down. And the fact that people like you are standing up against this, uh, Paula, we are deeply grateful. And to say thank you for uh, all that you do and the courage you've inspired in others. Thank you so much. It means a lot to have your support and, and just continue to just share support to all girls. I think we all, this is a fight for everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. Everyone has a woman in their life or a girl in their life that's going to be affected by this. So it's so important that every single one of us uses our voices and continues to speak up against injustice when we see it. Absolutely. And we'll do. Thank you, Paula Scanlon, Stand With Women spokeswoman at the Independent Women's Forum. Have a great weekend. All right, friends, coming up, No pun intended, but I'm going to transition from the women's side to the men's side when it comes to the gender issue. Men thinking that they're women is just the tip of the iceberg. We're going to dig much more into this after the break, so stick around. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right back in a moment. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders 
for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org. Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded communities. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories, and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged. Be in the know. And stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. FRC. FRC, celebrating 40 years with Congressman Randy Weber. Well, for the FRC staff, kudos, hats off, all those kinds. I I can't say enough good things. Y'all are helping hold up us during the battle. I know it's got to be daunting. I know sometimes it gets wearying. Sometimes you think, "Mm, I'm not sure. Stay the course. God bless you. We're praying for y'all. We love what y'all are doing. Please, please know you are loved and appreciated. If it weren't for y'all in FRC, we couldn't do what we do. So thank you for that. And thank you, Randy Weber from Texas, one of the great representatives from the great state of Texas. We appreciate those incredible comments. And what an honor to be able to celebrate 40 years of the Family Research Council. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. Welcome back. It's an honor to have you with us this Friday edition. All right, I'm sure uh, all of us have heard multiple terms like male chauvinism toxic masculinity, mansplaining, and there's a host of other things. But increasingly, the left and the liberal elite, they've been demoralizing and even demonizing men who show any signs of strength whatsoever. And as a result, men these days are much less willing, it seems, to take a stand up or to step out. And as a result, quite frankly, we have weaker men. For crying out loud, we even have men these days who think they're women. And that type of thing leads to a plethora of consequences, as we are certainly witnessing throughout our society. So what's behind all of this? And where is this going to lead us if we continue down this path? Joining me now to talk about this is Dr. Owen Strand. He's the author of a new book, The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. In addition to being a senior fellow at the Family Research Council Center for Biblical Worldview, he's also a provost and research professor of theology at Grace Bible Theological Seminary. Owen, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to have you. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. I appreciate it. 
Well, let's just begin. There's so much happening these days with men, but just kind of hone in for us. What inspired you to write this book and why now? Yeah, fundamentally, recognizing that men today are called toxic, as you alluded to a minute ago, means that an adult man like me can hear that and can kind of shrug it off and laugh it off. But when that is applied to boys and young men who haven't developed, who aren't mature, and who don't even necessarily know how to handle that or respond to it, that's going to have tremendous effects on their well-being and on their sense of self. And what a lot of boys and young men today are basically told is that they are less than girls. They are less than women. And they need to either be more like girls and women or they need to even become girls and women. And what I'm trying to say in this new book, The War on Men, is that is exactly the wrong move. What we need to do instead of telling boys and young men not to be strong is to tell them in God to be strong, to grow up, to mature, and to change by God's grace. Absolutely. Well, so, and so, uh, what in the midst of all this is we're trying to? You're trying specifically right now, and all of us in uh, in our own different ways, trying to call men back to masculinity, back of being the person God created them to be. In the midst of all this gender confusion that we're facing these days, what are some of the major? misconceptions, shall we say, or maybe misunderstanding, uh, misunderstandings of masculinity, uh, things that maybe you point out in the book that would be helpful. Sure. You've got, for example, the American Psychological Association saying in a 2019 report that being aggressive, assertive, taking risks, being emotionally tough, all of that is part of traditional masculinity ideology, which is harmful and bad for men. And what you have to do, Jody, when you hear reports like this is say, with all due respect, that is nonsense because men need to be trained to be assertive, aggressive, take risks and be emotionally tough in certain settings. Can men not be as emotionally developed as they should be? Absolutely. Do, does the Bible call men to be understanding toward their wife and First Peter 3, for example? Yes. So every man is a is in a lifelong project of learning to be kinder and gentler and these sorts of things. But here's the thing. The Bible also says to men that we need to be tough. We need to act like men. First Corinthians 16, 13. David says to his son Solomon, be strong and show yourself a man. First Kings 2, 2. So the Bible says that to men and men need to hear it. And we need to help boys hear that call well and live it out by God's grace. Yeah, we really do. I, I love what you're doing, uh, Owen. And all this, you know, the, the definition you just gave, let me just go down this path. The definition of masculinity that you just gave, a biblical definition, really is going swimming upstream from society's definition. Kind of kind of just briefly explain the difference. What What would be society's definition of masculinity? Honestly, I don't think society really has a definition of masculinity that's operative anymore other than uh, maybe men in some cases uh, have a vague responsibility to love women and children. But beyond that, Jody, I'm not comfortable saying anything that our culture would believe in and emphasize in a hard and fast way. Our culture and society wants boys and men to leave behind their innate wiring their God-given traits. It tells boys and men that those traits are antisocial. In response, our culture says, by the way, girls have social tendencies. Girls listen well. Girls are empathetic. Girls are inclusive. They bring people in. And so, for example, in the business world, there's now been several years of this model of the inclusive and empathetic CEO uh, who isn't like the old patriarchal CEO who makes decisions and uh, runs the meeting on a, on a rope. But no, this CEO is inclusive and brings everybody in. There's all sorts of ways that men can listen well and, 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 as I say, be warm and welcoming. But fundamentally, we're not calling men to be women. We're not calling men to be boys. We're calling boys to be men. But to even say that kind of uh, line today is going to put you in the cultural penalty box. We can't worry about that, though. We have to call boys to men or else this whole project we're in, it's all coming down. 
I could not agree with you more. I think that's well said. And and really, I guess when it comes down to it, society's definition would probably include some attempt of feminizing men these days. And of course, the outcome of that has no good end. I know that you're aware of Riley Gaines, a former collegiate swimmer who competed against a man, a man in, uh, in the NCAA Swimming Championship. And as you well know, she recently spoke at our Pray Vote Stand Summit. And th- there was a point that she made that I'd really love for you to comment on. If we can, let's play clip four, please. There's no doubt in my mind we're in the part of the process now where weak men have created hard times. Um, I think the last time we had a society full of strong men is in the 1940s during World War II uh, when men were lying about their age to enlist in the draft. And now we have men lying about their sex to get into women's sports. Oh, what, a, what a contrast. Give me your response to that. That was fire. That's my technical theological response. That was some heat. Uh, she's throwing one on two on the radar gun. She's exactly right. Um, men now are trying to get into women's sports in my native state of Maine. There's been a, a lot of news recently about a cross-country runner, of all things, who's now used to compete in the guys' side and now is competing in the girls' side and went from something like 172nd place on the men's side in the state to fourth on the girls' side. And what we just have to do as Christians, uh, Jody, is we have to lead out and we have to not leave it to Uh, the pundits out there who say some good things to take a stand here. We as Christians, we as Christian men have to stand up and say, no man should ever go into a girl's restroom like this man, William Thomas. He is not a woman. His name is, well, his name may be Leah Thomas technically, but he is a man, William Thomas, has has done for girls. And, and no man should be competing against girls in these sports. And what we need to recover as men is that protector role among men. Uh, but so often when men show that protector instinct today, when men show strength of any kind, uh, they're penalized for it. We want to shape the strength of our young men and boys. We want to train them in the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we absolutely are calling boys and men, just like us who are weak in ourselves, to be strong in God. And we're never going to stop calling that. And and just as you're saying, Owen, the, the battle here really goes far beyond just a sports issue. We're not just talking about men competing in women's sports or that type of thing. This is an attack on the character of God. This this is an a, attack on the creation, the order, the the roles, the 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 complexity and differences of male and female which ultimately are an attack on God itself. And that in itself indicates this is all uh, driven uh, demonically is driven by spiritual forces. Uh, th- this is uh, much more than a sports issue, I guess, is what I'm saying. How, how do you take that and communicate it effectively? You're exactly right. And there's no way to communicate this outside of spiritual categories, Jody. We're not, as Christians, called to try to rationalize everything down for the the broader public so that they'll listen to us and give us a hearing because we're not really Christian when we talk in the public square. We can make great common sense arguments and arguments from sound thinking, but we should and, and do. But fundamentally, we're Christians, We're not supposed to be a Christian on Sunday morning in how we talk, and then basically a functional unbeliever in how we talk on Wednesday. We're supposed to talk like a Christian on Sunday morning and Wednesday afternoon and Friday and everywhere in between. So what we need to do on this kind of issue is we need to say, I'm not just for boys being men and girls being women and not crossing between them or going into the opposite sex bathroom. I'm here as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that God created this world. And I know that God didn't just create the dirt I walk on. God created men and God created women. There are only two sexes. There's only one vision of marriage. It's one man, one woman for life in ideal terms. And I'm standing for all of that. And I'm doing so explicitly because of God's inerrant word. And I'm here, furthermore, not to hate you. I'm not here to hate you. I'm here to speak the truth to you in love. And if you're trapped in this ideology, I'm here to bring you out by the grace of God. And I pray that God will do that for you. 
Great point. This is not a, is not about hate. It's about truth. It's about reality. And reaching out to help people grasp that and understand it has to be the right approach and, and understanding the spiritual nature of this whole thing as well. So what, is, what are some of the consequences of weak male leadership in society? Well, you alluded to this a few minutes ago. Jordan Peterson has talked about it in a in a common sense kind of way. But when you tell people that we need a safer society, A, and then B, you tell them, so the way to get the safer society is to have men stop being toxic and strong. C, what you end up with is not in any way increased safety. You end up with increased danger. And so Peterson has been a voice against that. And he has said in his own way, no, men need to be dangerous. Men being dangerous doesn't mean men going out and randomly attacking women and children. That's terrible uh, from my Christian worldview and from his worldview. But men being dangerous means instead strength under control. It means that you have the capacity to defend yourself and to defend others when that is needed. You need to see yourself, if I can borrow this from the movies, as a sheepdog, as a man. You may not be the biggest, uh, you know, muscle-bound bench presser out there. I'm not. But you do take your God-given body in a 1 Corinthians 9.27 sense, and you subdue it. And you try to turn your body as much as you can into a weapon against evil. And you not only do that in a physical sense— You see that as your calling. That's why you're there. You're there to be a sheepdog. You're there to protect sheep against the wolves because there's never going to be a way for you and me to be nice enough for the world to be absent of wolves. The only way you can face down wolves is to stand against them, and that's what men are called to do in the church and outside of it. Incredible discussion. Oh, and unfortunately, the clock is ticking down. I want to play one more clip from Riley Gaines at the Prevote Stand Summit. Uh, Play clip five, please. We can only hope that these hard times garner strong men, but parents, as you're defending your daughters, teach your sons masculinity. Teach them to be strong men. Of course, teach them to uphold and respect and honor women, but teach them how to be strong men. That's what you're just saying. That is literally the message of my book, The War on Men. I hope to meet Riley Gaines at some point and talk with her. Whether that happens or not, you're exactly right. I'm trying to do my small part. I'm publishing this book. I'm calling men to strength. It's not strength that comes from us. This isn't a self-fulfillment project. It's not self-help. It's not therapy. It's not the manosphere. It's not Joe Rogan. It's not Andrew Tate. It comes from God. It comes from Jesus Christ himself. And so that's the message and that's the mission to take men who aren't doing well in a lot of cases, men who aren't necessarily growing up, men who don't necessarily have a purpose or a script and say through the gospel of grace, you can become something greater than you are. Dr. Owen Strand, fantastic book. Where can people buy a copy of The War on Men? The best place is still probably Amazon, despite all their mischief. So Amazon drives things, and uh, that'd be a great place to go to, to get it, or Barnes & Noble, or one of those big box sellers out there. Thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch, and thank you for writing this incredible book. We appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right, friends, that wraps up yet another edition and another week of Washington Watch. Thank you so much for joining us. We've had a lot to cover this week, but don't ever forget, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you next week right here on Washington Watch. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.